Hello and welcome to our first ever episode of Politics in the Pulpit, which is a lecturary resource designed to ask those big questions around justice issues and power as we see in the world and as we see in our scriptural texts. My guest today is Hannah Rich, who is a senior researcher at Theos Think Tank, and we're very uh, glad to welcome you here today, Hannah. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. So, um, I think the format as we're going to go through these is going to be that we're going to start with our uh, our pulpit politician or our politician in the pulpit, depending on quite how you want to define yourself. Do you want to explain a little bit about uh, your experience of politics in the pulpit and, and how you maybe connect those things together from your context? Yeah, so um, if I explain a little bit about what we are at Theos, um, to begin with, we are a Christian think tank. So we spend a lot of time thinking um, about these issues, about how faith um, interacts with our common life, how faith, what that looks like in society and what that kind of looks like lived out in the world. Um, and I'm my other kind of hat when I'm not at Theos is I'm also involved in Christians on the left. Uh, which is kind of the, the Christian strand of the Labour Party. And we work with um, other parties as well. So we work across party to kind of to be the Christian voice in politics very directly. Um, and that really, I think, influences um, and works really well with my my day job of um, working at Theos and seeing what the, the church is involved in across the country and um, how kind of faith can be lived out really practically, politically, um, at a local level and a national level. That's, um, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, I wonder... How do you end up being somebody who is kind of both party political and taking your faith into there? Like, how, how did that happen for you? Do, you? do you tell us a little bit about your kind of biography or story? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. So I, um, in some ways, ended up kind of completely by accident uh, where I am. And at the same time, it was very, very intentional. And I think God definitely knew where that that journey was going, even if I didn't all the way along the way um so the the kind of the the issue i guess that, that i'm working on at the moment at theos um, is the same issue that got me interested in this stuff in the first place which is inequality and um, so i'm currently working on a research project about what the christian faith has to say and what theology has to say about economic inequality um, and so going back a few years that's what i did my master's degree in um, and going back a few years before that that kind of is is the issue that made me angry when I was thinking about what what did I want to do with my life what did I want to do with my career and um, that issue of inequality the kind of the inequality in lots of the different situations that I looked at that I thought this isn't right it wasn't just the fact that um people were living in certain situations it was that there was an inequality in that and so the example that I kind of use as the story that I go back to that reminds me of why why I'm where I am um, is I, I studied Spanish for my first degree and I spent some time in Madrid working with an international church um, and part of my job there was to help them run a food bank for, for refugees and migrants in Madrid um, and it wasn't just the fact that they that there was this food bank that existed it was in the same kind of postcode area as where lots of the Real Madrid footballers lived who were some of the most expensive people in the world and the best paid people in the world um, and I kind of that parallel of living really really side by side um, and the inequality involved in that, I think, was was what not just the existence of the food bank, which was um, angry making and kind of wrong in and of itself, but the fact that that could exist in such close proximity with such extremes at the other end of the scale. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I guess. Um, do you find yourself preaching a lot? Um, do you find yourself preaching in a kind of traditional pulpit? Or are you mostly spending your life kind of being a, a kind of pulpit in politics? Or do you have much with the other way around where you find yourself uh, preaching in kind of church life? Or 
Um, not really. So I'm not, um, I wouldn't describe myself as a preacher. It's definitely not something I've kind of done a lot of, but I spend a lot of my time talking to people. Um, and that's not necessarily, um, sometimes in front of an audience, sometimes it's just conversations. Yeah. Um, and I guess kind of in, in many of those conversations, I am indirectly preaching the, the gospel of the fact that I think Christians should be um, interested in politics and it's it's fine to mix these two things together and um, whatever party and whatever kind of angle you want to take that from um, I'm really passionate about Christians engaging in in the political kind of in political ideas um, and so I guess kind of in in most conversations that I have that's something that I'm indirectly preaching even if it's not from a from a pulpit. Absolutely um, so I guess from from your work, from your research, you're talking about inequality, but um, I think you, you touch base with lots of different political issues with uh, mm -hmm. on the left as well. Um, what are the pastoral challenges or the political challenges that we're maybe seeing uh, kind of coming out in um, in the, in this even this week? Um, are, is there stuff that you think from your context that you would say this is where politics needs to meet the pulpit for our preachers this week? Is this looking at? Yeah, I think it's a really, um, it's a massive question, isn't it? Kind of going into almost the second year of this pandemic, we're almost, you know, a year into this and the issues that have been thrown up by that are, are so many, um, and materially, uh, you know, we're kind of, we're, life has been different for a year in so many ways um, and the issues that the church has been addressing because of that have, um, have shifted. So, um, you know, food banks and really material uh, material need is is growing and and I think that's only going to continue to to grow you know as we see kind of uh, the effects of the pandemic on unemployment and things like that so there is a really obvious material uh, need in a way that the church can speak into that not only in terms of providing um, but also in terms of tackling and talking about the the conditions of the economic situations that have got people to, to the point of needing those things um, but there's also a much more profound kind of relational issue I guess that the church can speak into so I think that um, as a result of this pandemic mental health issues have risen um, extremely and you know there's there's a role for the church in being that place of relationship and hope um, that I think people really need um, and that might not necessarily seem an obviously political thing it's something that the church does really well anyway I think um, having relationships and being a being a community and um, within the community um, but I think actually that is a that is quite a political role in terms of making a statement about who we are as people um, and who the church is as people at a time that actually there's not a lot of hope necessarily around um, and all there hasn't been in recent months in in life in general so I think actually that that statement of the, the of the church has a place of hope is far more political than we might uh, sometimes acknowledge it to be absolutely um the preacher's sister <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess um, I'm also, uh, so we've talked about church, um, looking at this kind of coming week, um, I'm aware that um, from my kind of with my JPEG hat on, uh, that there's, there's kind of stuff around inequality that we're looking at as well. So um, I'm really aware that we've um, been picking up on the conversation around vaccinations for immigrants that's going on um, in the world at the moment. So um, the government have said that there won't be immigration status checks when registering for a vaccine, uh, which is good, but it really highlights, I think, the fear that a lot of undocumented migrants feel mm. about accessing healthcare. Um, and I think in this question of are any of us safe until all of us safe, there's really, um, and that's an interesting area we might want to kind of hold in, the, in, our, in our minds as we're preaching. Mm. Uh, similarly, the climate effects are really being felt in India and um, we're going we're gonna to move on to the passages, but if we're thinking about kind of climate, that's one of those um, things that we should be aware of. Ebola, yeah. as again, outbreak has uh, broken out again in Africa. Um, 
and then there's there's kind of uh, there there are the kind of the news stories that never go away about injustice, aren't there? So uh, the church, um, it's Church Action on Poverty Sunday this coming Sunday, um, and there are lots of resources on their website that people might want to be aware of. Um, and then also it's Fair, fair Trade Fortnight. Um, so thinking about what justice might look like and how churches have often been a key part of, of fair trade. Um, so those. Um, those things are also uh, kind of mm-hmm. our resources for people to tap into if um, people are needing extra resources as they're starting to look at how they're going to be political and public this week. Yeah, I think that point about um, inequality or equality of access to vaccinations is really important. Um, it's true for rough sleepers as well. So people who are kind of not uh, living in the same place or, or, or people who, for whatever reason, are kind of living quite transient lives, you know, the um, the primary way we're getting told that we're going to it's our turn to have the vaccine is through a GP um, to be registered with a GP. You need a fairly kind of permanent basis or somewhere that you're living um, and there's, there's you know, tons of people in the country for whom that's not the case. Um, and so I think that uh, being aware of, of who has access to these things and that, you know, you said it, that we're we're not um, all safe until we're all safe um, is really important to, to be considering what that looks like. Um, to think of that as a national issue, but also to think who are the people in our local communities who might slip through the cracks or who might not necessarily know um, where those places are that they can go for it. And, and I think um, I'm a Baptist minister, so I, um, I work with um, Baptist Faith and Society team as well as with the Joint Public Issues team. And I know that we've been doing a lot of work with BMS, Baptist World Alliance and Baptist World Aid, um, also asking this question about vaccine inequality. Um, and, and we've actually got a space that uh, we're creating a website that's going out asking for churches to be evidence gathering communities on who is it that you are working with in your work on the margins that you think you're worried about missing out on vaccination. Um, and I just really um, so encourage people to get in touch if that's something that people feel they know something about, because um, we would we would love to help be a mouthpiece back into politics about who it is that we need to be caring for in that. Absolutely. So we've mentioned the text um, kind of briefly, but um, if we kind of go back to uh, go, go and have a look a bit more in detail at those, we've got um, the lecturing this coming week uh, is is beginning of Mark's gospel. We're um, we're just at the outset with the baptism of Jesus and the temptations. It's the first week of Lent, so we're in that space of starting to think about the, the difficult stuff. Um, and we've got uh, Genesis as well, um, and, um, and, and Noah, and the Noah story is here. And we've got um, uh, 1 Peter 3, uh, which I think I think we're thinking we're going to gloss over a little bit more, but 1 Peter 3 really connects those two stories together mm-hmm. um, as the lecturer uh, has compiled it. Of course, got the psalm. Also, uh, people don't, there's not so much of a guarantee that people have the psalm each week, so I thought we'd focus on these three. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know, to kick us off, Hannah, if, which which one of these tugs at you, uh, jumps out at you, which, which where's... What is the thing that kind of lights you up about the lecture this week? Yeah, so for me, um, I mean, reading through all of them, there is this this strand through all of them. But the the um, the reading I kind of was drawn to the most of the three was the Genesis one, um, and what that says. It kind of comes at the, the end of the Noah story. It's the part at the end of the flood where um, God makes this covenant with all living creatures that uh, never again will a flood like this happen. Um, and I think that there's there's something about that situation that we're in as a 
a world at the moment that coming hopefully we think towards the the end of the crisis situation and looking forward to to what might come next um which i just saw so many parallels with where noah um Noah and the, and the community were then uh, at this this end of the story talking about the value of life god uh, committing and making this covenant with with everything living including the earth um, and what that might look like for us. He touched a minute ago um, on the kind of the planet justice stuff. And that's huge in, in the Noah story, what it looks like to, to look after the planet. Um, and on a really kind of trivial level as well, it just struck me that um, much like us, Noah probably knew something about being stuck indoors with um, a group of people and animals that he might not necessarily have, have chosen to, to spend, you know, a large chunk of his life not being able to get away from. And, you know, who of us hasn't experienced that in the last year as well? So um, on a really, you know, really important level, I think it, there's something there about hope. But I think there's something it just struck me so relatably um, about where we are at the moment. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um... Definitely. And and when the weather is bad, I think we all feel a bit more Noah's Ark than we did before. Um, yes. Um, I think um I think that thing about the timing is the thing that really like jumps out for me in yeah. the in the mark reading as well. Um that um it really it strikes me that there's this huge emphasis in in mark which says um about the kind of the time has been fulfilled. So uh, it says uh, the time has been fulfilled. I'm just finding my right spot. You see, I've got too many, too many Bible readings in front of me. Right. Um, uh, it, and so, you know, Jesus comes to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. I mean, um, if there was ever going to be a politics in the pulpit moment as well, I think this kind of this kingdom of God is coming yeah. and the time is fulfilled. And I think um, in the English, you we maybe miss a little bit of how those two phrases really sit side by side to each other. Mm. Um, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Is are they meant to be? Um, they're meant to be read together. They're kind of this this couplet. And I and I think it's so interesting. When we're talking about looking at looking to the end of lockdown, looking at kind of coming into a new world, and really kind of hoping um, that the world is going to be you know renewed restored the new normal is going to be a better normal um what does it mean to play with this seasonal thing that's in this bit of scripture um on the one hand um it, it sort of suggests there's a tension how can something be both fulfilled and at hand and i wonder and again thinking like the, the noah's ark thing about wanting to be off a boat with those people that you spent too much time with yeah really feel that um with the vaccine coming as well there's a kind of uh this sense that we we're almost there, but we're not quite. Um, and I, one commentator really wonderfully uh, described it as the kingdom has come into history. And I thought um, that's such a great way of describing how do you deal with this suggestion that the kingdom of God is this future event, but it's all yeah. Um Also, um, talking about some of those kind of heartbeat for God's justice questions in in Mark. Um, uh, there's there's this whole story I like, um, Jesus of Nazareth from Galilee, um, that Nazareth is this place where um, it's not even known, it has to be discussed, like it's in Galilee, <laughs> you know that. Um, and, um, and I think there's something rather wonderful about um, this idea that this, the, the most political, you know, most huge dynamic moment of the kingdom of God, this good news is coming from this back end of nowhere place. You know? yeah. Um, nowheresville um 
And um, and I think um, I think that's really interesting that Jesus of Nazareth here isn't a qualifier, isn't a name. It's it's kind of a qualifier, like yeah. And it's totally not an accident that that's kind of front and center in that passage about the baptism and such a significant moment in his life and his ministry is kind of preempted with um, where he came from and the fact that reminder that he wasn't from greatness or from what well, he was he was from God, but um, in terms of in human terms, he wasn't from uh, greatness. And, and so then there's this real question about power being played about within the text again, mm. because like, well, is John the Baptist more powerful than Jesus? And how, who is the power? And there's this real, like the passage is really keen to make sure we think the spirit is in charge at all times. Yeah. And there's this idea that um, that John's not even worthy to tie Jesus' sandals, we've been told um, already. And they're really kind of this is this emphasis that um, John is, 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 is only a, a pre-runner, a forerunner to, yeah. to Christ. Um, and I think it's really interesting that Sandals um, imagery is then picked up again in um, uh, when when Jesus sends his disciples out. He talks about what shoes they should wear and this idea that kind of what what, what we wear on our feet really matters as kind of a sense of power. And I, I've never really thought about that before. Um, yeah, and and I just kind of looking at what else really strikes me from kind of the passages this week is um, it's also the fact that God is is so keen to kind of come and be part be with us, be um, his spirit with us, that um, he tears open the heavens uh, and comes down. And um, and we, again, have thought about what the world and, and desperately needing this kind of creation to be healed and God being present with us, that God rips open, uh, tears, the, tears the heavens open. And it's the use the same word that is then used for the veil right at the end of Mark's gospel. So when we hear that um, you know Christ has died, so the beginning of Christ's ministry has this ripping open of the heavens, and the end of Christ's ministry has the ripping open of the, of the curtain. And I think this is saying something again about the dynamics of power that God is going to be in our world and use our world in, um, and be part of our world in this way. Um, and they're both quite kind of violent and um, and very active things I think sometimes we um, or I don't always read that violence into it both with the Noah story as well actually and um, it's really easy to see the Noah story as kind of a static picture of a boat floating on a maybe quite stormy sea and the same with uh, with Jesus's baptism as well it's often a, a picture rather than kind of a moving story um, a picture of you know the, the the light coming down from heaven on on Jesus but actually it's quite a, a violent thing that heaven's tearing open um, and the flood was a particularly violent kind of rush of, of water as well and I think that that sense of it being something really powerful and active that um, changes the world actually is is really important and it's it's easy to read it as a really kind of um, yeah as a really static event um, but actually it is really active um, and a really active way of God coming to be with us rather than just kind of appearing um, if that makes sense. And, and actually um, it's interesting isn't it that um, we think about kind of uh, I've got a little Noah's Ark set. Um, yeah, that's like cute, like giraffes, and you post them through. Um, but actually, the idea of being on a boat with wild animals, um, and we think of that kind of animals as kind of domesticated and slightly zooish, I think. Yeah. Um, but this idea that actually wild animals were not safe. There seemed to be the place yeah. where the demonic was, and and kind of you know the world wasn't. It just was not safe. And so when Jesus, and then Jesus goes out to be with the wild animals, and one yeah. of the of his power is that he 
is safe with the wild animals and this is kind of inkling of restored creation that's coming through there because the only time that humanity has ever been safe with wild animals has been back before the fall and so there's something about you know god really healing the world in some significant uh, ecological way going on here yeah. is, i think really um really interesting um i think um is that what is that, are there any other kind of good news in the text bad news in the text power justice issues in the text that kind of really jump out at you hannah that we haven't picked up on or thought about yet um, i think we've kind of picked up on on most of them um but with with the genesis one i do think i just found it really striking that this covenant of of god comes at the end of the flood um, and it's a real real sign of kind of how seriously god is going to take that relationship with his people and with the planet going forward um, and what that means for us as we kind of take seriously um recovery after covid um and making a better world we've heard a lot about you know this new normal and how much better we want it to be and how different we want it to be um, and obedience for, for Noah in that context going forward looked like um, looking after the, the whole planet and uh, ensuring the survival of all things even the you know the kind of the animals that were less useful for, for humans or less kind of had less purpose or seemed to have less purpose um, and that sense of it being really holistic that going forward um, it wasn't just about the the humans that were left on the boat recovering and surviving and um, it was about all of creation um, and so what does that look like for us as we look forward to not just um, economic recovery but kind of ecological recovery after uh, the pandemic as well and I think um, think, think of how the gospel is then mirroring um, yeah. the Testament is that um, that Jesus is going out into this world where John's been arrested um, and and he's saying you know the kingdom of heaven is near repent um, and this idea of turning around this this complete transition of um, not just feeling sorrowful but kind of you know this kingdom of God is near yeah. this kind of seizing for joy moment but actually he's saying turn around turn life around um and I think um I think that's really interesting that that's that's what he's proclaiming um in there is is yeah something about actually this this real challenge of, of what can we turn around and maybe that's as we're looking into Lent, as we're looking towards Easter, as we're seeing vaccines starting to be rolled out and, and having this conversation about how do we how do we go back into the world, how do we build the yeah. world? The challenge is how do we as as people who of faith, who 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 love God and who are um working for God's heartbeat of justice kind of really take that message of we've mm. got to start doing something transformational here. Um and that maybe God is already, you know, the kingdom of heaven is already at hand. The kingdom of God is here. So it's yeah. not the doing it on our own but we can partner with god in that and um, absolutely yeah that's that's definitely i think where we um we could go with these passages this week definitely um in terms of uh are there other stories anything else that we think um just thinking of getting started preaching this this week um uh i feel like i'm already <laughs> ready to go i've got my preaching voice on i can hear it coming out um but are there other stories, illustrations? Are there kind of things in there, um, just different bits that we might pick up on? Anything that kind of strikes you um, about how you would uh, kind of try and share this message um, or you'd love this message to be heard? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I think the thing that um, the thing that jumped out at me, and it's, it's probably because it's something that's everywhere at the moment, is that um, that sign of hope being the rainbow. Um, it's something that we've we've seen so much of in the last year kind of every if I walk around in my house every window has a, a rainbow in it 
um, and I think that that sense of of God's God's hope coming at the end of um, a really difficult season and being there throughout it, um, I think that's a really good kind of jumping off point. But also the stuff that we've we've touched on already about it being for the whole planet and needing to be holistic. You know, it's um, it's it's really significant. I think that it's the rainbow that's been. Um, the symbol of hope throughout this not a person not a kind of human construct the rainbow is something that is um, always kind of magical to, to look at um, because it's 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 quite an imagination it kind of captures the imagination in, in a way that um, something more more humanly made might might not um, and that it being a really powerful symbol of, of God and of, of nature and of how kind of tied into all of this together we really are yeah it shows us light differently doesn't it and, yeah yeah, that's something we could use as an image, really. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I'm thinking this is one of our um, our first um, in this on Mark, yeah. and it's first ever of this. And I'm just thinking, kind of, in terms of what resources other other than the kind of uh, some of the news ones that we picked up on earlier that people might find helpful. Um, there are just a couple of commentaries that um, people might find useful. There, they're both written by men. So um, I, I have found desperately looking for a diverse selection of commentary so I just want to say to people as they're um, interacting with the podcast and the, and the vlog if you've got ideas and suggestions this is we don't want this to be a one-way street please please kind of join in the conversation use the hashtag politics in the pulpit let us know if there's stuff you think we should be reading as well um, but I've got um, Ched Myers binding the strong man as one of those kind of socio-political commentaries it's um, available on Gospel of Mark it's um, it really deals with this idea of what was pol the political economic scene in the in Mark's world and how, how might we understand that today. Um, and then we've got, um, I'm going to mispronounce this, this is the problem with the uh, kind of a book geek where you don't know how to say words out loud. Um, Herman, I think it's Vachen, um, who's written, it's spelled W-A-E-T-G-E. Uh, J-E-N if you're googling it because that's usually how I find my books um, and it's a reordering of power a socio-political reading of Mark's gospel and those might, might both be really helpful resources if people are looking at preaching a kind of political dimension to Mark's gospel. Um, well Hannah it's been such a blessing to have you with us today and, and to hear Thanks for having me on your life and your kind of political pulpit life um as you are a voice uh, of god and you can hear my children in the background this is getting of everybody at the moment um it's really good to hear your kind of politics um and how and your faith driving your work in the world um and how the world again then kind of really makes you reflect on the, um, what the gospel is and how it has to be holistic um and for everyone else who's been tuning in and listening to this, thank you for um, thank you for joining us in this asking this question of how should politics be in the pulpit? Uh, what does that mean and what does that look like? Um, so I'm just going to close us today with a very short blessing uh, that you might recognise. It's uh, some words that Jesus said: "May you be anointed as you bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, help people see the world truthfully." and let the oppressed go free.